In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I don't even have to tell you this, you already know it. But society has become more casual in the clothes that they wear and how they appear in public. But there are times, there are times when more formal attire is needed. And sometimes people don't always recognize this. So a police officer tells the story of a colleague that once showed up to a detective promotion interview. So he was showing up to be promoted to detective. And he showed up wearing a Cubs baseball cap and Cubby's windbreaker and a pair of jeans. And his fellow officers questioned the choice. Not just because it was the Cubs. That was bad enough. I'm sorry. I'm a Cardinals fan. There's, some, there's a lot of history there. Not just because it was the Cubs. But because he just wasn't properly dressed for the occasion. Right? Spoiler alert. He didn't get the job. Right? We buy clothes to fit the occasion. We buy clothes to fit in. We buy clothes to stand out. We buy clothes to look good, feel comfortable, and right now, yes, still in North Dakota, stay warm. But here's the thing that we all share. After the fall into sin, we wear clothes to cover up. Once that was no issue. The first man and woman, Adam and Eve, were naked and not ashamed. Because they had a perfect standing before God. And this is before God, not just each other. Some people say, well, because they were married and there was no sin yet. No, it's because there's no sin, but they have a perfect standing before God. We'll get to that. And each other. They're not ashamed. But after Adam and Eve partake of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden, something is different. Their relationship with God changes. Their relationship with each other changes. And for Adam and Eve, it's not a good change. This is something new and frightening and terrible. They know their sin. They realize their nakedness. They feel shame. And so they try to cover it up. They sew fig leaves together, thinking that, oh, that'll do the trick, but it did not work. When they hide from God, when Adam and Eve run away from God, that is a dead giveaway that something has gone sideways. And so when God asked them, why are you hiding? He replies, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid myself. The fact that Adam now knows that he's naked 
and feel shame and regret and remorse and sin, that's also a dead giveaway too, right? That something's gone off the rails, gone awry. So God replies, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And here's the thing, before Adam speaks, God already knows the answer. God knows the answer. Ever since. Ever since. Right? Remember, God provided them animal coverings to give them a more um, appropriate dress. But ever since, humans have covered up to hide our nakedness, our sin, and our shame. But no matter how much we try to cover it up, it doesn't solve the problem, does it? It doesn't completely solve the problem. The desires of our naked heart are exposed, and they expose some pretty ugly things. Evil thoughts, ungodly desire, selfish wants, impure motives, jealousy, anger, selfishness, Envy, drunkenness, strife, idolatry, and a host of other things. And you know what we do? We hide it. We cover it up. We do it well. And we may fool others to some degree, except those maybe closest to us. They know what's going on, usually. But we are not capable of hiding the truth from God. We just aren't. The Lord God sees the conditions and inclinations of the heart. He knows our sin. He knows our shame. No way around it. Can't cover that up. Sorry. But what do we do? We try to anyway. We resort to the same things that Adam and Eve did. The same tactics. Apparently, we didn't learn anything. God's people, sinful people, to whom God desires to draw near, wander away from Him. They hide from Him. They seek other paths to life like Adam and Eve did, right? Hey, you can be like God. Hmm. Okay. They seek other paths to life. We do. And then, supposedly religious people, right, attempt to cover up with their works. Well, we'll just balance the scales out a little bit, right? We'll make up for it. But here's what the Bible says about that. All our works are like a polluted garment, filthy rags, a disgusting, soiled covering. I'd tell you what it says in the Hebrew, you'd recoil. There's nothing you can do to cover that up. Nothing you can do to make it go away. If this terrifies you, if this gets you to see that your sin is laid bare before a holy God, and that sinful mankind cannot come into the presence of a holy God with this sin and live, if this terrifies you, if you realize that you are horribly underdressed to appear before God, that is a good thing. Because the Word of God is meant to do just that. God's law shows us our sin. 
It lays it bare and all of its horrible consequence. Man is now born into this world a sinner, conceived in sin. Right? Oh, that baby, so innocent, so cute. Mm, Read your Bible. Conceived in sin. And his journey is back to what he came from. Adam from Adamah. From dust you are taken, to dust you will return. And all of our attempts to cover up our sin, our shame, our nakedness, every effort always ends up in the same destination. From dust you came, to dust you shall return. God's law reveals the condition of our blackened hearts. God's law reveals that by our own strength and power, we cannot return from our sinful exile. We cannot come into the presence of God so drastically underdressed. We know our sin. We know our blemishes. It's ever before us. And moved by God's word, you have come here today. We have come here today. Gathered to put on ashes which remind us of this sinful condition that we all carry. That remind us the condition of our hearts and our return to dust. Covering up didn't do it for us. Hiding didn't do it for us. So now what? God bids us to rend our hearts, not our garments. Right? Don't tear things outwardly. Feel that inwardly. And return to Him. David tells us in Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Repent. Turn away from your sin and toward God. Because it is to Him we turn, and to Him we turn to resolve the issues that we cannot. God's law shows us our sin. But God's Word doesn't end there. We also have the Gospel. God's Word also shows us a Savior. A Savior who rescues from sin and death. Today's ashes in the sign of the cross point us to something outside of ourselves. To a gracious and merciful God in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We who are helpless sinners, who are naked in our sin and shame before God, are told, don't hide. Don't cower. Don't run away. Don't cover it up on your own merit or in your own devices. Return to the Lord your God. He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from calamity. We who can do nothing, who come fully naked before a holy God, Have a God who has willingly done everything in the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and given us glorious dress for the occasion. Okay? Ashes show us our sin. Ashes in the sign of the cross show our Savior. And it shows us the true nature of God and what He desires to do for us and in us. 
A God willing to take all of our sin and shame upon Himself on a cross. A God willing to suffer mockery and nakedness. If you remember, Jesus is stripped of His robe. And all of our sin is revealed as He hangs naked in our stead. Paraded out for all to see. He who knew no sin becomes sin for us. Imagine the ashes that Jesus accumulates, accumulating all of that sin. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Surely the Lord has laid upon Him, the Righteous One, the iniquity of us all. Surely the Father separates Himself from the Son so that through the Son's perfect sacrifice, through the perfect Son Himself, we may return to God. All debts forgiven. And more. A gracious and merciful God has offered up His only begotten Son so that the sin that has exiled us, the sin that makes us cower and hide, the sin that makes us fearful and resentful, may no longer have power over us. God has made it so that we may return from exile, a Lenten journey. And where does our journey end? Yes, we go to the cross. In Easter, we'll see the empty tomb. But ultimately, where is all this leading? It's leading us back into the fullness of God's presence. Listen to the words of St. John as he describes those who are gathered around the throne of the Lamb in his kingdom. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude. No one could number it. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out loud with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and around the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne of God and worshipped God, saying, Amen, let it be so. Amen, let it be so. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Did you hear about the multitude gathered? They're waving palm branches. They're worshiping their Savior. They're not naked. There's no fig leaves that they wear. They're not adorned with filthy rags. They are dressed for the occasion. Clothed in white robes. Robes that have been cleansed, washed in the blood of the Lamb. The garments of sackcloth and ashes have been exchanged for robes of righteousness. I know you've caught it by now, but our theme for this year is return from exile, a Lenten journey. 
And in your return from exile uh, doesn't start on Ash Wednesday. Didn't start today. Started a while back. Your return from exile came when God called you in your baptism. It began as God himself. God did it. You didn't do it. God did it. Joined you to his son. United you to his son. By the power of water and the word. That second part's really important. It began when God poured out his Holy Spirit upon you. Creating a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. Planting the seed of faith and then nourishing it. Strengthening it. Keeping it. Sanctifying it. In holy baptism, God gave you, gifted you, a beautiful wedding garment instead of sackcloth and ashes. It's not clothing that you picked out. It's not garments you paid for. It's not glorious dress that you've even put on. No, God has covered you in the robes of Christ's righteousness. Robes of righteousness which truly covers all your sin. Not only covers it, blots it out. God has covered you in Christ Himself. Think about that. Christ Himself and His righteousness. Jesus is your glorious dress. And the blood of Jesus has washed away your sin. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. The sackcloth and ashes are gone. In Him, your exile is over. In Him, you are returned to the presence of our God and you don't have to cower and hide. Jesus is your glorious dress. With these new clothes that God has given you, with this glorious dress that God has covered you with, don't cower. Don't run. Don't spend hours in a self-makeover trying to do it yourself. No. See yourself where John saw you. Among the throng. Gathered around the throne. With voices that are confessing in true thanksgiving and praise. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb who has given that salvation to us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.